listening to the Women's Online Wellness Podcast, a podcast all about your health and wellness issues that affect you every day. We want to educate, entertain, and maybe make you giggle a little along the way. No annoying statistics or jargon here, just information you can use every day to be healthier, happier, and less boring. All right, here's your host, OBGYN Dr. Ron Eaker. Hey, wow, VIPers, and welcome to another special, very special edition of Thirsty Thursday. Well, tonight is not actually live because I'm kind of a dingo when it comes to figuring out technology. We're working on it, guys, but we are very, very excited to have a special guest with us tonight. In fact, this is the first special guest we've had on this platform, so I think it's really, really special. Uh, we have we have with us tonight an expert in in something that I think is going to absolutely speak to everyone out there, especially during these times. Kristen Jones is a best-selling author. She has a really interesting story about how she got to this part of her life, where she's an expert on emotional eating and and stress eating. And golly, with all that's going on out there right now, not only just in life, but now with this crazy COVID-19 stress, we know that there are things that really are challenging, not only mentally, but physically. And one of the biggest challenges many of you have already asked me about is how to deal with stress in, as it relates to our diet, our eating. You know, we hear about people talking about the freshman 15 when they go out to college and they are stressed out and they're thrown into a different scenario. Well, you know, this may be our viral 15, but we want to avoid that. We want to stay away from that. And we are so blessed to have Kristen with us tonight to give us some very practical steps, some very practical tools to be able to avoid those pitfalls of stress eating. So Kristen, thank you so much for being with us. Well, Ron, I am so happy to be here. And, and thank you everyone for, for joining us today. Um, I'm, I'm so excited. I love that Thirsty Thursday. That's yeah. a great theme. I- <laughs> yeah, you know, we, we can't get together for a happy hour. So I consider this a knowledge happy hour. There We're you go. drinking I, from the fountain of knowledge. I love that. I love that. And I just want to tell everybody who's watching this, you all are so incredibly blessed um, to have this man as a, you know, part, as a part of your life um, because he, I, I'm just, I'm so honored to be here. So um, thank you, Ron, again for having me. And um, I, my, my hope for the next 45 minutes is just to provide as much knowledge and information and hope for y'all that you don't have to, I love that viral 15. That's awesome. I may steal that. Um, that, that y'all don't have to, you know, you don't have to, to have that be a, a foregone conclusion that, that we can definitely, I, I want each and every one of you to come out of this time, this, this very uncertain time, feeling better about yourselves, feeling better about your life and the direction that you're heading in. So that's, that's kind of my goal for, for our time together tonight. So thank you. Absolutely. And thank you for saying all that. Uh, and just let me know where to send the check. And we'll, we'll <laughs> of course, go, we'll go ahead and settle up later. And uh, tell before we get started, I think it's so important for people to understand a little bit of context. So I want folks to hear your story. I want them to know what brought you from where you were, which was a school teacher, to uh-huh. where you are now. And I think that would be fascinating for folks. So just give us a give us a brief bio. 
Okay, so um, I know we have some some teachers in uh, in the group, and so I, my heart is will always be a teacher, and I, and I see that what I do now is is educating, but just in a different platform. Um, but I was um, I was a teacher for seventeen years, but my story goes way back. My story goes back to probably when I was six or seven years old, and I remember there being instances where um, food in my family, my family is from the South, my family's from Oklahoma, and food definitely was a show of love. And it was how we communicated and it was how we celebrated and we commiserated. And that kind of developed into what what I didn't really realize at the time when I was younger, but, but food was definitely used for other than nutrients, it was used for used for other than 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 just putting it into your body to have fuel. Um, it had a very very different meaning in my life, and I didn't realize that fully until I was about 16 years old, and I developed an eating disorder um, from. I'm not going to say because of a comment that was made to me, but um, there was a lot of, of pressure in my in my family, um, a lot of focus on um, appearance. And um, as a child, you hear people talk about other people being overweight and fat, and then you start to develop that. You take that into yourself and realize, oh gosh, well, I don't want anybody talking about me, so I, I better be careful about that. Um, so I developed an eating disorder when I was when I was 16, and truthfully. I, I wasn't anorexic, I wasn't bulimic, I just knew I had this really odd relationship with food. And it was almost, it was almost fear-based. It was, it was almost, I was almost afraid of food, yet at the same time, um, it had become my best friend. And so I thought that everybody, I thought, I knew I was different, but I didn't, I didn't know what the issue was. I just knew there was something wrong with how I related with food. So had this funky relationship, kind of went through my, my early adult life, and I, um, food was a focus. It was a focus constantly. I constantly thought about my weight. I constantly thought about, was I gaining weight? Was I losing weight? Um, how did other people view me? Um, I was very much focused on that. And it wasn't until I was about in my mid-30s that I kind of realized that this was not how people usually acted around food. I would always watch other people eat and I'd be like, how can they do that and not be like scared? How can they not be paranoid all the time? Because I always was about anytime I'd have a meal, like what is that going to do to me? How did I eat right? Did I eat wrong? And so um, came to the conclusion that I had an eating disorder and you would think, well, gosh, that's great. You did that. Did it fix everything? No, um, that, took, that, that was not, just coming to the realization doesn't make things go away. And um, so I started a, a process of, of seeing therapists and, and, and getting some help for the, the situation. Um, but interestingly enough, the, the catalyst for me really being able to overcome my, um, my, my, my issue was with food came in, in the form of a life coach. And I worked with a life coach in regards to some issues I had with money. And it was um, when I was, I was kind of moving through life and I was having some issues with money. And so I, I met with a life coach and just love her to death. She was amazing. And, and we started doing this work of, of looking back at my childhood and looking back at the stories that I had been told about money or stories that I had kind of adopted. And I started thinking, you know, I could totally do this with my eating. And so I started, I kind of took what I learned from her and, um, and kind of adapted it and, and kind of created a program for myself that I kind of took myself through and realized, and all while all of this was happening, I was, had my teaching career and I realized that that 
was not the direction that I wanted my life to go. And I love teaching and I love educating. Um, but for those teachers out there, you know that educating is not just about your time in the classroom with your kids. It's about a lot of other stuff. And um, so I really realized that I wanted to do education in a different, in a different format. And so I left my, my teaching career and I started my own business um, thinking it was going to be very much nutrition and fitness and I was going to just save the world. And then I realized that I had to take what I had been through, um, which I had not talked about with anybody. Nobody, I, I, nobody knew what was, what had been going on with me for the last, well, you know, almost 35, 40 years. And so I decided that, well, if I'm going to change my business direction, I might as well write a book about it. So I wrote a book and, um, and just chron you know, chronicled my story and came up with a system that I created and I, I walk my readers through that. And I use a lot of, for those teachers out there, I use a lot of um, teaching techniques where I have you read a little bit and then you journal and you answer some questions and really get to the bottom of, of where these feelings come from. Because if you are experienced, I will be completely honest, I believe that if you have weight to lose, there is an emotional component to that and that we cannot ignore that. It is not about if you're looking to lose weight and it's all diet and exercise, you're going to lose the weight, but it's going to come right back on. So until we, we, until you decide that you want to look at what's really going on. And I had to, it took me a long time to realize that I finally wanted to look at it. Um, you, once you get through that and once you un uncover those things, it's not easy, but once you get through it, it's like your whole life opens up and it's a, it's a completely, it, it is transformational. And, um, and so I just really want to try and share that with as many people as I can, because it, it has so dramatically changed my life and, um, has given me a, a, a real purpose and, and that's, and that's why I'm here. So just to try and share what I have learned and what I've experienced and for anybody out there to let you know that you are not alone. And that's, that to me is the most important thing that you are not the only person going through this and that there is hope. And I hope I can just shine a little bit of hope today on that for you. Well, I thank you for, for being so transparent and being open about that, because sometimes that's not easy to talk about, especially when we live in a world where we have certain expectations of ourselves and Absolutely. others. So I, I appreciate the, the openness there. Mm -hmm. And I, there's so much to unpack. There's so many things that I want to get to, but I want to make sure that we highlight some of those areas that mm -hmm. really provide uh, some real value to the folks who are listening out there today, people of the WOW community, because they get that understanding of community. They get that mm -hmm. sense of, of the need to draw on the experiences and expertises of other people. So I love right. the fact that this is something that you've lived and something that you've uh, really known from the, from the inside out and then mm -hmm. been able to translate that into helping others. They've taken, you've taken your experience and then expanded that out. You know, I, one of the things I noticed right off the bat about your book is what you just mentioned about kind of the journaling and, mm -hmm. and the, the exercises that you go through. Uh, you, I love the way you call it stop and jot. Uh -huh. yeah. a, a great tool for helping people to understand that there's, there's a, sometimes a disconnect between the thoughts, the cognitive and the 
action, turning that into something that's actionable. And I talk about that a lot when it comes to hormones and in particular weight. Oh, absolutely. Cognitively knowing what to do and doing it sometimes are two very, very different different sides of the coin. And I, I, I like that idea of journaling. We do that with our weight loss patients almost from the very beginning is absolutely. journaling for not just awareness, but journaling for uh, an exercise in in being sure that they know avoiding things like unconscious eating, which I know is one of the areas that you kind of get into. So mm-hmm. again, thank you for that story. I think that resonates with a lot of people out there. I see a lot of folks shaking their head right now saying, hey, I know what she's talking about. I've been there. In fact, I'm dealing with that right now. So that, that kind of brings me to the first thing I really wanted to talk about as it's specific. And for those who watch this later down the road, just know that we're smack dab in the middle of this coronavirus stuff where everybody's at home, everybody is doing their physical, uh, we don't call it social isolation because we want people still connecting socially. We call it physical isolation. And that's creating a lot of stress. Mm-hmm. And kind of go into your thoughts about the relationship between stress and eating and being an emotional eater. What does that, what does that really mean? And, and then more importantly, where do you begin not only identifying that, but doing something about it? Sure. Um, and it's a great question. And, and so to take it kind of all the way back to the beginning. And as I, as I, as I had just said, one of the things that's the most, I, I think is the most important thing to recognize is when eating is, is fueled by emotion, the food has nothing to do with it. Like what, because I, and I'm sure many of you out there, you've probably eaten things. You're like, what, why did, why did I eat that? Like that was not even something very satisfying, but there was a need. You had a need for that, that distraction. And so really what emotional eating stems from is it stems from your feelings and it stems from not, it can, it can, it can rise up from a variety of places. Um, so if I, if I go back to like my childhood, I was not allowed to express my emotions when things did not go the way I wanted them to. Are, are you seeing that a lot of these kind of issues begin then? Or- absolutely, they, they, they absolutely can. Uh, most, I would say that my my true emotional eaters, my true emotional eaters, most likely, and most people don't even think about how they were raised. They don't even think about how food played a role in their lives until they become an adult, and then they realize, like, oh, okay, wait a minute, let me think about how how did my you know how was how was I um, how was I soothed as a child? How was I rewarded as a child? Like when I got good grades, do we go out and get ice cream? I mean, that seems so innocuous, and it seems like oh well, that's a, such a nice thing to do. And, but, but those, those patterns get re those patterns get engraved and they get, they get, you know, ingrained and they get reinforced. And so for me, there was a lot of that not feeling, I wasn't allowed to express my emotions. So a lot of things were, I had to keep them inside. Um, I lived in a household that, you know, again, you know, children will be seen and not heard. And you, you just, when, when things didn't go the way you wanted to, it was either, you know, um, my, my father, and I love my father. So I'm going to preface anything I say. I love my father. We have a great relationship now, but you know, if you're going to cry, I'll give you something to cry about. That was, that was the, the phrase that I always knew. And so I was not allowed to express emotion. So what I learned to do was just keep it inside, was just to 
paint, you know, push it down. And so when you, this is, I love, I love this, this kind of comparison. When we push things down in the sense of emotions, when you push things down, they spread out. So you push things down and they have no place to go but out wide. And so when we push down emotions and we don't express them or we try to distract ourselves or we try to avoid those feelings, we have to do something with that energy. We have to do something to, again, to not feel those feelings. So what do we do? Some people take drugs. Some people drink. For me, I never even thought about drugs or alcohol, ever. Food was the easiest and most accessible thing. And I will tell you, it is hands down the hardest thing to get a handle on. Yeah. Um, the opening tell, line of my- tell folks all the time that the, the, the way we self-medicate are the three D's, drink, oh. drugs, and donuts. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. I love that. Absolutely. And, and I mean, the first line of my book is I wish I had been a drug addict because yeah. being a drug addict would be so much easier. Because that's, a, when that's, a, that's a, that's a very, that's a very interesting statement. I want you to unpack that and explain why that's so, so difficult and help people to understand because we, we all, we all kind of have this picture in our mind of a drug addict and how devastating and how horrible that is. But there's a little bit of a, a disconnect when we start talking about food addiction or, mm-hmm. or the making those. So un- unpack that a little bit for me. Absolutely. Um, so so let me preface that saying that this statement or, or what I'm going to talk about with, I have in my family addiction runs the gam. I mean all through my family. Um, I lost um, I lost my brother uh, 17 years ago to alcoholism. So I am very, it's, we have addiction running through my family. And so for me, when I make that statement of, I wish I had been a drug addict, it's because when a person either chooses, chooses a vice of some sort, whether it be drugs, alcohol, gambling, any of those types of things, you, if you're going to treat that, if you're going to deal with that, you have to eliminate it from your life and you have to come, you have to unpack why it's happening, what your, your feelings are, but you get to eliminate that from your life. Yeah, your you life moves on. You can stop the drug. Oh, absolutely. The, the but food, food. I remember it was probably, Oh gosh, it must've been 25 years ago back when um, I don't, I don't even know if MTV is still even on, but back when MTV used to have show, they used to play videos and they had shows on. I remember they did a special on eating disorders and the, the statement that just completely ingrained itself in in my mind was an eating disorder is the most difficult or a food addiction is the most difficult addiction to get past because we cannot eliminate food from our lives. We have to learn to have a relationship with it. And that is far and away the most challenging thing. And so for me, when I say I wish I had been a drug addict, I, I, I could have gone to I could have gone to rehab. I could have I could have chosen anything else that then I could choose to eliminate from my life. And but I chose food because it was the most socially acceptable and I could hide it much better. I could really disguise it and and re- and I worked very, very hard. And I think about all the energy that I put into trying to hide what I was doing with food and how I was acting with food. And I think Oh my gosh, the energy that I, I mean, the energy that I could have had to be directing it towards other things. But, you know, again, I, I, I really feel like I'm, I'm a believer that nothing is done to you. It's done for you. And so I really feel like I was, I was given this, this 
circumstance in order to then be able to get to where I am now and then be able to share what I know with other people. So it- It's almost like when you, when you look back, it's hard to see that at the time. Oh, gosh, absolutely. I, I hear people on, on our, our Facebook page all the time talking about when they looked back, it made a little more sense as to what had gone on and propelled them to the place they are now. And I sense there's a big understanding of that in, uh, from you. You, mm -hmm. you see the path now. It's a little tough to see it sometimes. Oh, when you're in it, it's, it's, it's incredibly difficult. And, and it really, it's, it has, there's so much, again, there's so much of an, of there's, a, a total mental piece that has to, that really, it's a mental shift and a mindset shift and it doesn't happen overnight. Um, I was just talking to a client and I, you know, I, I was talking to her, I, I said, you know, she asked me a question about how far she had come and I said, it didn't take two months to get here. It's not going to take us two months to be able to, to resolve all of this stuff. It, it takes time, but it's just persistence and it's, it's wanting, it's wanting to really be who you are and really unpacking all that stuff. Along those lines, which, which dovetails right into that, and I think this is a very important understanding for people as they deal with their relationship with food, mm -hmm. do you view this issue, not necessarily food addiction, but dealing with uh, these, we'll call them uh, just unhealthy relationships with food, right. whether it manifests in an eating disorder or whether it manifests in weight gain, sure. do you view this as as something to be cured or something to be managed. And I think oh, that's a critical distinction. Absolutely. 100% um, managed. Um, I, and it's, a, it's a funny story. I, I was on my third therapist and um, loved her. She was great. <laughs> I went through a are, bunch of- Are they getting rid of you or are you getting rid <laughs> of them? Well, you, and for those, or anybody who's had therapy, sometimes you decide like, I don't really like what you're saying, so I'm going to go find somebody else. Yeah. And so, that, happens, that happens with doctors too, believe me. Oh, it does. <laughs> All the time. I'm sure it does. It happens with coaches as well. So, um, no, I, I remember so vividly going in for an appointment and just being so frustrated because I had had just a, 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 an episode the night before I had, you know, found myself, you know, elbow deep in a, you know, a tub of Ben and Jerry's and what was, I couldn't <laughs> figure out why, like what was, and I walked into the office and I just said, when is this going to stop? When is this going to go away? And she just so calmly sat there and looked at me and she's like, oh, Kristen, it's never going away. And she said that. And I was like, both, I was horrified because I was just like, I want all my money back. What are you saying? I'm like, what have I been doing for the last two months? And, um, and then she, you know, she said, this is part of who you are. And this is part, and you have, you're fighting this part of you so badly. And until you choose to embrace it and you and choose to embrace the little girl that was struggling back, you know, way back until you choose to embrace and like lock arms with her and say, we're going to deal with this. She's like, you're ne it's never, you're never going to get it under control. You're never going to be able to manage it. And when we started talking about it, then all of a sudden I felt this rush of relief that like, oh, I wasn't bad at this. It wasn't that I couldn't do it and I wasn't good enough because that's always a feeling that comes back to, to chronic dieters and to people who are always trying on that, that, that weight loss cycle. 
Why can I not do this? Why am I not good enough? What's wrong with me? What's wrong with me should have been tattooed to my forehead because that was, I mean, that was, I remember I must, my mom, my mom was really good saying, honey, there's nothing wrong with you. And I give like, yes, there is. <laughs> You're my mom. You have to say that. Um, a, lot but of, it, a lot of this is a battle above the neck. Uh, oh, 150%. Absolutely. A, a good friend that's worked in the weight loss uh, industry, uh, for many, many, many years. And his favorite tagline is to change your weight, you have to change your mind. At 100%. Yep. And that's not to, and, and some people sometimes misinterpret that. That's not to imply that it's all just a matter of willpower, or as you oh. just said, yeah. implying that there's something wrong with you. I think that's how sometimes people twist that and they misperceive that concept and they, they feel like if someone talks to them about the emotional side of this, that it's just reinforcing the fact that they're, they're not who they should be, or they have low willpower, or they don't have the ability to make good choices. And a lot of what you're saying is that's, that's 180 degrees wrong, that that's right. absolutely incorrect, but it still has to be something that is addressed, but really in a positive fashion. Absolutely. And it's more, it's more of an empowerment. It's more of, you have to understand how, and one of the things that I've really focused on in the last two years, actually, since, since I've written my book, I've actually gone, gone even more of a focus on really the impact and how much our brain and how much our thought processes really, and how much you have to kind of learn to um, to, I don't want to say manipulate your brain, but your brain is doing things not in your best interest. And so oftentimes we, you have to learn how does my brain work? How does my brain work in relationship to my habits, in relationship to my decision-making and in relationship to any long-term goal that I have, your brain really doesn't want change as much as you, as much as you can say, and there is a part of your brain that absolutely is long-term planning. That's the prefrontal cortex. It is long-term planning. It is what's going to be best for you 20, 30, 40 years down the line. And then we've got that stinking primal brain. And the primal brain actually keeps you alive. And it's, and it's actually, there is nothing wrong. There's no good side, bad side of our brain. The primal brain wants to keep you alive, but gosh darn it, if it doesn't want you happy and it sees happiness in a bowl of M&Ms. And that's just, it's, it, that's the fact. And that yeah. it will, it will put you when you, when it, feels you getting stressed it's like oh i got this i know how to make her happy i know what she needs to do she needs to go and find you know find something to eat and then we'll be happy and so you have these two sides of your brain that are really working in opposition with each other and once you understand it and you learn to recognize it and i always tell people and i, I joke about this but it's so true you know those thoughts and you, you know we have those those conflicting thoughts and i'm sure everybody out there you go to the grocery store and you see the thing that you know you shouldn't buy and in your brain you're like oh no shouldn't get that and then there's somebody else that says oh no it's okay it it really is two sides of your brain you're not crazy you're not there's nothing wrong it's just you have these you have these parts of your brain that that are trying to take care of you Unfortunately, they're in opposition, but once you learn and understand how they work and you understand that ultimately it all comes down to you and the decisions that you want to make in that empowerment and that there's, there's no right or wrong. It's just you making those, those choices. Once we learn how to, how to manage our brain, then it, we are, we are so far ahead of the game, but 
nobody teaches us how to do that. Nobody, we don't learn how to do that. Let's, let's go there then. I think that's one of the most important things that we try to do on this, in this group is provide usable practical information. So that's one of the things that impressed me the most about your book is it's important for that awareness and you, you do need to delve into the, the neurochemistry. And I think I'm a big, big believer in understanding and knowing the whys behind things. And I think especially when it comes to food and weight, understanding the physiology helps you to remove some of that guilt in some ways. Mm-hmm. Yet, the, unless there's the, the rubber meets the road, unless there's a practical way of saying, okay, I get it. I, right. I, know, I know, I understand cognitively. Mm-hmm. What do I do now? Right. Well, give us, give us some tips, give us some ideas, give us some concepts of things that you've worked with with your clients, especially during these times where we're seeing an acceleration of the stress level. Give, give us some pointers. What can we do to try to not get that viral 15? Absolutely. So um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to apologize in advance to everybody. And I'm going to say, if you have a piece of paper or a pencil, because my teacher's coming out at me right now. So um, if y'all have a piece of paper or a pencil and something to write with, um, you're going to want to write this down because these are, I'm giving you five and then I have a bonus, I have a bonus, uh, a bonus strategy as well. Right, so write these down folks. Write these down, write them down. I'm you. Actually, <laughs> Actually, we'll post them later. So you absolutely, can, we will post actually them. just listen real closely. <laughs> right we'll post them later. Absolutely, but I, I will say, and this is actually something that I that I do really emphasize with my clients. Um, there is, a, and one of the things. So I was a teacher for seventeen years. I taught middle school and um, loved it. And oh, um, I know, I know when I say that, and I say teacher being middle school, people are like, oh, like, oh my god, you t- you survived it. And um, I will be totally honest. If you put me in a kindergarten classroom, that is the scariest thing for me. Um, so, but but one of the things I learned for nine of those years, I was a resource specialist, and I actually have a master's degree in in special education. And one of the things that I learned through my my work with students with learning disabilities is we have to imprint things in our brain so there is a very strong power and it's one of the reasons why i have people journal is that there is a a degree of implanting and imprinting thoughts and things you know thoughts and feelings and and objectives into our brain so i always had my kids rewrite their notes they hated me for it but they did better on their test because they had to organize their thoughts they had so so when you write things down it is powerful but if, if you don't want to write things down that's okay right now well, they can um, write down later we'll make them we'll make them absolutely. write it on their on their paper 25 times absolutely that's you know it, it's kind of scary that that's what people did and it was kind of there kind of was some truth in it um so five strategies that I have seen over the course of working with clients, but especially in this time that we're dealing with right now, um, with with our coronavirus, with uh, being in lockdown, and, and being in these circumstances that are very, very new and very, very different. Again, remember, the brain wants status quo. So everyone's brain right now is freaking out. It's going there. Your brain is like, what in the heck is going on here? And so its way of coping is again, it wants to calm you down. And in, in that, that primal brain wants to say, okay, we'll calm you down. 
that cookie is going to do it. That'll take care of things. So we want to make sure that we are in control and we are establishing ourselves and, and creating an environment and, and creating a, a, an, an external and an internal environment that will be able to settle that brain down. And there's so many things that you're going to be able to do. So the first thing is if you have not already, I want you to establish a, a routine in your day. So that is going to be a wake up time and a bedtime. First and foremost, that's bare minimum. Wake, wake up time and bedtime and stick to it. Your brain needs consistency. It doesn't need you going all over the mark, all over the map, you know, sleep until 11, getting up. You need to have consistency. So sleep time, wake time. I'm also going to throw this out because I know, and, and it's been going around on Facebook as well. So, and, and Dr. Ron, you might not understand some of this, but I will tell you that for women, you need to commit to getting dressed, get out of your sweats, get out of your pajamas, and you need to put makeup on. You're not doing it for anybody else, but you're doing it for you. Okay. I try to convince myself, oh no, I'm fine without makeup. Yeah, no, I'm not. So I need to put makeup on. So you have to take care of yourself. And that's just part of that self-care. So again, establish your routine. Wake up, wake up night, you know, wake up and 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 bedtime. Have it be, try to be, have it be as consistent as possible, but commit to getting yourself dressed and putting, you know, brushing your hair. If you, you know, brush your hair, you know, put on some makeup. Make yourself feel good. We always operate from a better standpoint when we feel good about ourselves and, and about, you know, and about, you know, just, just, just again, that normalcy. What do we do? If you, if you ordinarily do that, let's get back into that normal routine. So that's the first thing. The second thing I want you to do is we have been given, and I know, I know this is kind of a hard stretch for some people, but we have been given an incredible gift of being home and having time right now. I, I can't tell you how, how uh, my, my schedule is, at, when, prior to this, my schedule was absolutely crazy. Like I would look, there would be people who would look at my Google calendar and be like, what is this? Like how, I, where do you even find the time to even have a meal? We have been given this incredible gift of time. So what I want you to do is each day, I want you to set a goal for yourself. Just one goal. It just just one, and and we again. You can also look at like okay. So what is a goal that I could do around my house? Is there a cabinet that I need to clean? Is there a something productive that by that when you finish doing that, you're going to be like, darn it, I am so good. I took care of that. I accomplished something. We as as human beings, we want to get better. We always want to strive to grow and to and to learn. And so we having that goal, having something that you can accomplish that you can feel good about can change the trajectory of your day because you now have a purpose. Because I know a lot of people are feeling like, well, if I don't, if I'm not going to work and I don't have my regular routine, I'm kind of lost. Well, let's get that routine in and then let's have a goal for each day. It could be something as simple, like I've already accomplished my goal for the day and my, my goal for every day is to make my bed. I make my bed every single day. And I will tell you that there are days that I, that before this, that I did not always make my bed. Um, if my mother's listening, I'm sorry, you, you know, that's true about me. Um, but, but I really, you know, do a goal, something simple, but if you have like projects around the house, pick a project and get it accomplished. And because again, we have so much time and when we are productive, we feel so much better about ourselves. Um, number three, 
this is going to be a little different for people who have children at home and people who don't. If you don't have children at home and it's just you, I will call, <laughs> that's me too. Um, I, I call this me time. If you have kids at home, I'm going to call it fun time. You need to schedule in your day some time where you are having fun and you're doing something either for yourself or with your children. Your children are not going anywhere. You need to, you, but, but, it, but it can't be, we have to have fun. We have to have that time where we remember, you know, for those, those who have kids, why you had kids, because you have them home all the time now, and, and that's a, that can be pretty overwhelming. So spending some time mapping out and putting some time in of we're going to have fun or I'm going to take some me time for myself. I know with kids, it's kind of hard to do that. So for instance, a movie. You know, just settling everybody down. Let's watch Moana. Let's watch Frozen 2. Let's do something as a family. Puzzles. Puzzles are, oh my gosh. I tell you, puzzles are an amazing thing. Also, if you are a person who gets bored and you find yourself in the refrigerator, oftentimes because you don't have as much to do, a puzzle can, can, can solve many things because it occupies your time, occupies your hands, occupies your mind as well. Um, if you're, you know, again, if you're by yourself, if you want a Netflix show, pick something that's going to give you some pleasure because sometimes we are so focused, especially if you're working from home, you're working, 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 then you have your kids, you're trying to entertain them. Put some time in to have fun and remember, you know, how much you love the people that you're around and, and how much you love yourself as well. This is not the time to watch Outbreak or Pandemic. No, no, not at all. Do not do that. You are forbidden from going there. I'd rather you watch wrestling than yeah. watching these things. Yeah, I just had to throw that know, out there. Something fun. And again, it's, it's, to, it's to bring us back to just how grateful we are in our lives, just how much we have. I mean, you really, I know, I know, you know, it's, it's sometimes is hard when it's week number three and you're still in your house and you're like, Oh my gosh, I've got to like glove up and mask up to go to the grocery store. When is this going to end? But we have to remember how blessed we are. And so enjoy those around you that you are in confinement with and spend some time each day doing something that makes you all feel good. And that reconnects you. Cause I think that's really important too. Um, and especially if you have teenagers, cause you know, they're going to want to be in their bedrooms all the day. Um, Four, be as active as you possibly can. Be as active as you possibly can. If that means home workout, going outside, I cannot stress enough how important it is to go outside and get some sunshine and get some sunlight because that is going to improve your overall mood. It's going to improve how you feel about yourself. And so some of these things you might be like, well, wait a minute, she's not telling us not to eat certain things. I don't tell anybody not to eat anything. But what I do tell you is to remember yourself and do things that take care of yourself and being outside and sunshine and just going for a walk around the block is going to make you, it's going to change your attitude. It's going to get some endorphins going. It's going to get that serotonin going. You're going to feel better. So get yourself moving. And even if that just means walking around the block, taking your kids, having them jump on their bikes and go for a walk, but enjoy the outside, take some deep breaths in. And really it will, it's a, it's incredible how that will, will change just your viewpoint on everything. Um, and then the last, the last of my five is for those people particularly who are finding it really challenging to not be snacking all day. And, and I know being at home and having easy accessibility 
to the to the kitchen and just you know having there be stress the kids you've got to do homeschooling you've got all this stuff going on everybody's in the same house one thing that i it it it, it works for me i have every single one of my clients do this is you need to plan your meals and you need to plan your meals and you need to commit to that. And I'm gonna to explain to you why the commitment is so important. So planning your meals just settles you down. It's like, okay, we're gonna have this for breakfast, this for lunch, this for dinner. And imagine if, you're, if you have children, having that mapped out is gonna take so much off your plate because you're gonna know, it's like, okay, we're not guessing. It's not five o'clock and everybody's hangry and, and I've gotta come up with a meal. If you have things mapped out, you know where you're going, you're so much, you're, you're just gonna be, you're gonna, your frame of mind for the whole day is going to be much more positive. Also, you've accomplished something by mapping that out. Um, in the brain, in, with the way the brain works, one of the things that's really important is our brain has to learn to trust us. So when we talk about that, you know, Dr. Ron talked about, you know, you know intellectually what you're supposed to do. Well, how do we actually get our brain to be on the same page with us and to really start doing that long-term planning? Meal planning and planning what you're gonna eat and then committing to it and actually doing it teaches your brain that you are trustworthy. And that primal brain doesn't need to be the go-to. What needs to be the go-to is your prefrontal cortex, which is the one that has all of your weight loss goals. It has all of the good things that you want to do. It's right there, right there front and center. And so if your brain, the two of them combined, knows that, oh, she's planning stuff and she actually follows through. Oh, the, the primal brain's like, darn it, we don't get to distract her now and 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 have her, you know, have her eat the MMs or go into the, you know, go into the kitchen and eat something. And so you're training your brain to trust you. And so by doing that, that prefrontal cortex then becomes the more dominant of your brain. Because unfortunately, the primal brain, the one that works on instant gratification, unfortunately works about 90% of the time. It's the, it, it, it's, it, it rules us. And if we don't take back the power and do some constructive, very deliberate things to put that prefrontal cortex back in control, you're fighting it. You're, it's like you're climbing up a slippery slope. So I would say the meal planning, far and away the most important thing and, and then stick to it. And, and you just, you may, and I'm not telling you what to, what to eat. I just want you to make a plan and stick to it. You want to eat SpaghettiOs? That's fine. But if you want to, well, let's, let's not go there. But I know, I know, it's kind of crazy, but, get, but it really is. Meaning. We get the it, meaning very much. Yeah, so, you know, that really is deliberate. Mm -hmm. I think those are, I, I feel less stressed already. I mean, those are some amazingly practical tips yeah. that I promise you, if you'll even do one or two of those things, yes. it's yes. going to go a long way towards reducing your stress. Mm -hmm. And that's where you start. It's, as Kristen said, it's not about the specific food. It's about the emotional component of that right. that acts like a domino effect. And that's mm -hmm. what creates the snacking, the unconscious eating, the right. bad choices. But it begins with the brain. It begins with a thought. So those are some amazing, amazing tools. We're running up towards the end of our time together here. And I know I wanted to be very conscious of your time. And I appreciate that. Before we are sign off, I want folks to know where they can get in touch with you and, and how they can follow you on your different uh, social media outlets. So let folks know how they can touch base with you. Absolutely. And I, but I do just have to say there's one more than my bonus one. We don't Day. just stop with five. We go to I know, I know. We have a bonus. And this is super, super important. 
limit your access to the news. Pick two sources that you trust and the man next to me, I don't know, I don't know if I'm pointing in the right direction that you're gonna see it, but the man next to me is an excellent source. Pick two sources and limit yourself. Check it one time a day, give yourself 15 minutes, and that's it. Because you are feeding your brain chaos, stress, that is far and away, if I could give any piece of advice, that's it. Stay off the news. 100%. Because that, that is absolutely, that is, your brain is just firing on that, and we need to take that out of the equation. Okay, so to, to come in contact with me. Um, I, and again, Ron, thank you so much for having me. This has been so amazing, and and I just I I just love sharing these things. And and I know you have you have just my couple days of being in your group has just been incredible. You have you have amazing amazing people in the group. Um, so I, uh, let's see. There's a couple of ways that you can that you can reach out and touch and get in contact with me. One, I am on Instagram. Um, my Instagram handle is K Jonesy. K-J-O-N-E-S-E-Y. And um, if you actually, if you are, if anyone is out there and you're a Peloton user, if you have a Peloton, I have a Peloton tread and I am hashtag KJonesy on Peloton as well. Find me, follow me, let's do workouts together. Um, I also have a Facebook group. It's called Breakthrough Emotional Eating. And it is on Facebook. I'm going to leave the link in our um, in the in the post here, as well as I want each and every one of you to have a copy, a digital copy of my book. So I'm going to leave a link in the um, in the post here, and I would like each of you to um, to have access to a digital copy of my book. And um, there's ways in as you as you do that. There's ways for you to connect with me if you'd like. But I'd love to have you in my Facebook group, um, doing a lot of uh, just a lot of things about you know unconscious eating mindful eating um, just how we can just get ourselves not just through this time but how we can move forward how we can come out of COVID-19 being stronger and more empowered and just you know even a, a even better version of ourselves than we are right now Kristen Jones you are a jewel oh. I want to thank you for the time and the effort that went into today and more importantly for the value that you've brought to the WOW VIPers. I know they're going to jump on these opportunities to reconnect with you to maybe go deeper on some issues. And thank you so much for the generous offer to provide the, your book. It will be a blessing to many on this in this group. And I have a feeling it's going to trickle down and go farther beyond this group also. So thank you again so much for taking the time to be with us. Folks, take advantage of this stuff. It, you've got the time now, make the most of it. Utilize her tips and tricks. And as always, before we get together again, make healthy choices. See you soon. Bye everyone. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the Women's Online Wellness Podcast. To join the conversation, access show notes, and discover bonus content, join our private Facebook community by sending a request to Women's Online Wellness. If you enjoyed today's episode and want to hear more, just head over to iTunes and subscribe, rate, and leave a review. For questions about the podcast or to get more information, email Dr. Eaker at r-e-a-k-e-r at yahoo.com. Thank you for listening, and until next time, choose to be healthy.